Oh, I'm ready to preach now. Y'all ready? Let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. God, I pray that in everything that we do, that we'll honor you. And uh, God, I just, uh, I just pray that as we go through this morning, you'll speak to us. And I pray that as you speak to us, we'll listen and we will apply what uh, you are saying. It's your name I pray. Amen. Good morning. I don't ever preach with a handheld mic. I feel like a, uh, I feel like a TV preacher. Brother, I'm, I'm on, I love it. And uh, so I want to tell you that I am excited to be here this morning. And um, I've kind of gotten used to the, uh, to the New Year's Eve. I don't know that I've actually ever preached on New Year's Eve. And I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. But um, I am, I have been for the last couple of months thinking kind of about this, this idea. What do I want to go into 2018? What do I want to what I want 2018 to look like, and what do I need to do now to prepare myself um, to to see that happen? So my question for for each of us this morning is this: If you could go back to this day one year ago, New Year's Eve 2016, what would you tell yourself? to do. If you could tell yourself to do one thing for 2017, what what honestly what would you tell yourself? If you couldn't if the only rules were you couldn't tell yourself what lottery ticket to buy or what sports team to bet on, you know, if you couldn't gamble with it, just some advice, what would it be? Would it be maybe it would be to uh spend a little extra time with a certain loved one that you don't get to spend as much time with anymore or that has passed away? Maybe it would be that you need to kind of cut out a few of those extra cookies because a year later you look and you're like, hey, there's 20 extra pounds, kind of I'm going to slack off on the cookies a little bit. You know, what would you tell yourself? We all, I promise, if we went around the room, I bet with everything in me that there would be something that everybody in this room would tell themselves, hey, you need to do this. But if we look at reality, we can't do that. We can't do that. And so we can dwell in the past of things that we wish that we would have done differently, or we could look, look into the future of things that we could place into our life that would be different. And that's what I'm trying to do in my life is stay positive and focused on what things could we be doing. We're going to look at Acts chapter 8. If you've got your Bible, if you want to take a uh, flip over and take a look at Acts chapter 8, this is a passage that I've, I, have, I don't believe I've ever preached on this passage. And for the last few weeks, um, I have been just really staying in Acts chapter 8. It's just a, uh, it's a really, really, really interesting story. And I have, I think it's got some really, really good points for us and looking at where we're headed this year. So we're in Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 4, and I'll kind of read a couple of verses, and I'm going to explain to you what's going on. It says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria, told the people there about the Messiah, Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of backstory that's going on here that makes this pretty profound what is going on. We're at the beginning of Acts. 
And so we need to wrap our heads around that Christ has been crucified and resurrected. And the church has been formed. The first church has been formed and is, is practicing in Jerusalem. They have seen some great movement in the day of Pentecost. There's lots and lots, thousands of people coming to Christ, giving their lives to Christ. One of the greatest times and movement of the church is happening right now. At the same time that that is happening, because of that, there's a lot of persecution. And persecution is starting to be ramped up. We just saw in chapter 7 that Stephen was, was stoned. So now, because of all of this going on, people, these Christians are having to run for their lives. They're fleeing. They're trying to get away. And you're like, okay, Josh, how is this encouraging? What, what, how are you encouraging us talking about the, the persecution? Here's the deal. Because of the persecution, the Christians were scattered. And I get a lot of encouragement from Steve, I mean, from, uh, from Philip in this passage because he was scattered. And not only did, was he scattered to another place, he was scattered to Samaria. And if you've been in church for a while, you probably know this, that Jews and Samaritans didn't get along at all. We saw Jesus talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And, and we know that Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. There was a long-standing rivalry and bitterness and hatred that has, was formed between those two people. A lot of it dealt with slavery and how people were treated. Um, there was a, like the Jews felt like they were so much better than the, than the Samaritans. The Samaritans felt like they were, uh, the Jews were just pompous people the Samaritans had a lot of witchcraft, and the Jews said, oh, look, we're better than them because they are so ingrained. There's a lot of really tough baggage. They have a lot of baggage that is, is, is being there. And now this is where Philip ends up. So when, I, when I see this and I see Philip and he's in Samaria, my first thought is he has every excuse to just lay low. Right? His friend was just martyred. People are hunting for his life. Christians are scattering, fleeing, trying not to be killed. Philip's gone, and now he's in Samaria. And as he's sitting in Samaria, he's around people that don't get along, that he doesn't get along with, and people that don't like him. He has every reason to lay low and not say anything. And how many times do you find yourself in that spot? That you're in, a, you're in a situation and you're out with the people. And, and, and these people, they are, they are different than you are. I think you would agree with me that in our country today, there are at least, if not at the, mo- like the most that in recent history, some very hard divisive lines between groups of people. Whether it's race, whether it's nationality. Let's not even get started on political stances. And it's always, when you hear it, it's like an us and them mentality. That's exactly what Philip is doing with these people. He's, he's, He's here. So he has every opportunity to just lay low, to not cause trouble, to say, hey, these people won't listen to me. They don't want to hear what I have to say, so I'm not going to tell them. But what does it say that he did? It says... That Philip, for example, in the city of Samaria, told the people there about the Messiah. I'm going to give you three things this morning that I, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll put it like this. I'm going to give you three things that I'm going to try to apply to my life this year that I believe will make me a better person and make me a person that looks like a lot more like God. 
I would encourage you to think about how do they apply to your life and, and, and is it something that you need to implement in your life. For me, when I sit down and I look at this and I look at Philip, the reason that I think how, why does Philip, why could he get over himself and talk to a people that was like, hey, they don't care what I have to say anyway. Why would he sit down and talk to people that, and share Christ with them when, when, when they had so much baggage between them? I believe it's because he saw the real and risen Savior, and, and, and he was changed, and now he was looking at these people through the eyes of Christ. So the very first thing that I'm going to try to apply to my life this year is I want to view others the way that God sees them. I want to view others the way that God sees them. I don't want to see them for what label they carry. I don't want to see them for what stance they have on a situation. I don't want to see them for what group they are hanging out with. I want to try to see everybody through the eyes of Christ. Because whether they were a Jew or a Samaritan in this day, they were created by the creator of the world. And they were created in his image. And I think that Philip was really latching on to that, that these people were just as loved by God as they were. Now, were they far from God? Absolutely. And we're going to see that in just a second. They had a lot of baggage. But Philip saw the potential that God could make in their life. And so I encourage you to view others the way that God sees them. When we do that, it changes things. So let's take a step into verse uh, 9. It says, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. Now, Simon the sorcerer, what, what is the deal with him? Simon was... He was not just a figure. He was probably one of the leading black magic sorcerer figures in the area. It wasn't like we found this guy on the street that is this guy on the corner that, hey, I can do a little witchcraft. He was well known in the area. Probably the, like the number one leading guy that everybody knew, hey, if it was like dealing with sorcery, black magic, Simon is that guy. And it says that these people were amazed these people, these Samaritans were amazed and they would follow him around because of what he could do. The Samaritan people were so ingrained in witchcraft and dark magic and powered by Satan and they were looking for the next thing that would blow their mind, that would excite them. And when they would find it, they would flock to it. And Simon was fitting that bill for them. He was going... Time and time again, he could go and he would do something else. And these people would be amazed. And they said, man, this guy, he's like God. They were, putting, they were looking for a person that would amaze them and be kind of their leader in that sense. Let me tell you this. I was thinking about this over the last few weeks. Isn't that what we've done in our country, though? All right? We're waiting one side is waiting for one person to rise up and change the whole United States. One, person, one side is waiting for another person, and we're trying to put our faith in somebody instead of putting our faith in God. And we're waiting for this person that's going to come and amaze us by his leadership skills, that's going to amaze us by the way that he changes stuff. And we're like, man, if this guy gets it, everything's going to be... No, it's not. And for me, this is just a reminder how easy it is for us as humans to get so enamored with somebody 
and not let the God that created the whole universe change us from the inside out. For me this, this, this year, I want to not only see people the way that God sees them, but I want to live for a God that has the power to change things. And I want to do that in a, in a big way. It says, but now the people, um, they, they listen closely in verse 11. They listen closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But then in verse 12, something changes. It says, but now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began to follow Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. Why did that happen? How did that take place? These people that were so enamored with witchcraft and with dark magic and all this kind of stuff, how did they switch and start really latching on to what Philip was saying? I think two things. I think one, I think the power of the Holy Spirit was working in their lives. And when the power of the Holy Spirit is working in somebody's lives, we can never say this person is too far gone to hear Christ. And I believe that that was happening. And I believe that because Philip, obviously, and we'll see because he sends word to Jerusalem and then people come back from Jerusalem and they're traveling by foot. So he was there for an extended amount of time. I believe that these people saw that what Philip was saying was genuine. I believe that by his character and how them being with him for an extended period of time, that they saw that what Philip was saying, he meant what he said and what he said was true. Because when what is going on in the inside of us with God is always going to be made known to people that are with us for an extended period of time. So my second challenge for myself this, this, this coming 2018 is our actions demonstrate other, to others how we see God. Our actions demonstrate to others how we see God. And if that statement is true, then I, my challenge for myself is I want to be as close to the Savior of the universe this year as I possibly can. Because how, how close I am is going to be reflected in how people, <clears throat> what people see in my life. How many people have ever, uh, have kind of ever felt like the, the I don't know, you kind of, everything has been going pretty good, and then you kind of feel like the legs get kicked out from under the table. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of that, like, everything. So, me and my wife, I, I told a few of y'all about this. Me and my wife have been saving. We just wanted a, a fireplace, all right? Like, for the three weeks during the year in Louisiana that you could, that you could, that you could turn it on, you know, or light it or whatever. And I was like, well, look, because we have such a short winter, I don't want to build a brick fireplace, you know, add it into the house. Well, let's do some gas logs. And so that's kind of what we had. We had been saving for a while and sticking it back in the sock drawer, you know. And, and we were like, okay, we've got enough money. Let's start. So I was excited. This was probably a month and a half ago. I was excited. I was ready to go. I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. And I, I, the second thing about me, I, not only did I want a fireplace, but I hate wires. I hate wires coming up to the TV and wires hanging down. I'm kind of like a little bit OCD about the wires. And I was like, Janelle, I'm fixing to get rid of the wires once and for all. I said, the wires are going in the wall. And I said, I'm going to run some extra wires so that I don't ever have to open it up again. And I said, look, it's going to be awesome. And I had ordered some extra wire, and I was going to run them from the, from the players up to the TV. And 
I said, I'll put the mantle, I'll build the mantle on the front face of the wall. I said, but before I start building it, I'm going to go ahead and run my wires up there. So I started like what every man loves to do. You get in your house. At first, I drew all over the wall, and I drew the mantle out, and I looked, and I was like, man, this is freeing. You know, I've got a marker. It's kind of like I'm seven years old again and getting in trouble for drawing on the wall. And I'm drawing it out, and I'm like, it's time to run some wires. So I get my hammer. And, you know, I'm just knocking holes in the wall, and I'm like, this is awesome, and I'm going to fish my wires through. And I reach into the hole to kind of clean out some of the stuff so I can fish the wires up the wall. And when I do, I feel a bunch of, like, junk and stuff on the floor inside of the wall cavity, and I'm like, oh, let me get that out. And I'm scooping out, and as I reach one more time, I stick my hand through my floor inside of the wall, and my heart sank. And I was like, you are kidding me. This was all like at 9.30 at night. And I was like, my wall is rotten. I was like, is it water? Is it the horrible T word? Is these termites, have they, have they infested? And I'm like, what's going on? So 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, I go outside and I get a wrecking bar and I start ripping the siding off of my house. My neighbors are kind of looking out and I just start pulling it from the bottom up. And the seal, the beam that's holding my house up on that side, I look and I stick my hand through it. And I realized that what had happened was I had a bunch of old termite damage that had got wet and the whole side of my house was rotten. You know what was interesting is that it at no point ever showed signs, but when it did, it completely made itself known. So before I built the mantle, we spent time rebuilding the house, you know? And, and what was interesting is that everything looked fine from the outside. But when the pressure came on to change things, it made itself known. And for me, I've noticed in my life a lot of times that I can look good on the outside. But when the pressure is on and things start getting opened up and things start happening, what is really going on in the inside of Josh is going to be made known to everybody around me. So my goal for 2018 is to be like Philip and what, it, let what is going on be solid with Christ because at the same time the negative stuff gets shown. When, positive, when people are positive and where they need to be with God and the pressure is on, they show Christ to people that they come in contact with. So that would be my challenge. The last thing, and I'm going to sum up some of these verses to save us a little bit of time. Acts 8, 14 through 23, basically, all these people got started getting saved. These people were excited. They were baptized. The church in Jerusalem heard about it, and they're like, man, we've got to find out, is this really what's going on here? And whether they didn't believe it or they were excited, or I, I don't know, but they were like, Peter, you've got to go down to Samaria, and you've got to check this place out and see what, if, what's going on. And so Peter and a couple guys come down, and they are checking it out, and they see that these people are genuine, and, and this is kind of, we'll, we won't dive off into this, but they pray for them, and they receive the Holy Spirit, these, these people, and, and it is, they are completely being changed. It's an exciting time. Simon the sorcerer, who had confessed Christ with his mouth and was baptized, sees these people, Peter, laying hands on, on, on people and, chain, and the, 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 receiving the Holy Spirit and all these big things going on. And it piques his interest and in what is going on inside of him, just like we can see what the trueness of Philip ministering to these people, the trueness of what is going on inside of Simon 
reveals itself. In verse 18, it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. He was like, he got excited. And he was like, man, he said, I didn't realize that with Christianity, there could be like this, like I could do these big things. And he started his power, his desire for hunger and to be great became like started making itself known. And he was like, look, he said, I gave, uh, you know, I'm all about Christianity. This sounds great. Let's do it. But I didn't realize that my, the whole laying on of the hands didn't come with the package. So can I buy it as an option? And he's like, he's like, Here, here's some money. You know, it's kind of like if you go to the go to the dealership and you buy a car and you get there and and you're like, hey, I didn't realize it didn't have power windows, but I want to be able to roll my windows down um, without having to crank on it and crank on. I don't even know if you can buy them. anyway. That like, I, I want to have power windows. It doesn't come with it. Can I pay extra and buy the option? That's what he's like. Hey, I will give you money to be able to do what you are doing because. At the root of Simon, Simon wanted Simon to be king. At the root of Simon, he wanted himself to be the most powerful. And Peter, in only a way that Peter could, in Peter's fashion, kind of spanked him harshly. He says, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this. Your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps maybe he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you're full of bitterness, jealousy, and you are held captive to sin. Man, Peter, don't hold back. Tell us what you're thinking. Peter lays it out because at the root of it, Simon wanted Simon to be king. He had, done, he had said the same things that the other people that had really given their lives to Christ and were baptized had said. He had been in the same waters of baptism that these other people that obviously were genuinely converted had been in. But his heart was in a completely different place than their hearts were because Simon was more about Simon. I don't know about you, but it's really easy for Josh to be all about Josh. It's really easy for me to get focused on me and what I like, what I want, who I want to be with, what I want my day to look like. And before long, I can get so focused on that that if anything else happens outside of that, it just makes me irritated because I have a tendency to like me, and I think most of us do. I just, my goal for 2018, my last one, is I want to see myself in perspective and in light of who God is. I want to view myself in light of who God is. Basically, what does that mean? I want to constantly remember that God is God and I'm not. I want to place God on his, where he, where, on his throne and me, I want to humble myself before the Lord. He must become greater and I must become less. And I think that when I do that, I'm going to see a difference in my life. I believe that when I view others through the eyes of Christ and see them as the way God sees them, I believe that it's going to make things different. I believe I'm going to treat people differently. I believe that looking at that second thing, our actions demonstrate to others how we see God. When I'm viewing God like in the right light, I think it's going to affect people around me. And then when I view myself in light of who God is. It's going to change things.
I can't preach a sermon without a good redneck story. It's not. In, I tried. I can't. It just comes out. I, honestly, I cannot even have it in my notes, and I can start talking about, like, getting stuck in the mud or something. It's so ingrained. I ooze redneck, right? And I was thinking about this yesterday morning because the sermon was on my mind, and I was sitting on the deer stand. And I don't know um, if... If you've ever been setting a deer stand before daylight, but no matter what, whether it's deer hunting, duck hunting, when things are dark and you're hanging out in the deer stand, and as the little bit of light starts cracking through the trees, you will start seeing ghost deer. You'll look and you're like, here's this shadow behind this tree. That's got to be a big buck. And then you're like, you know that you've seen that shadow for the last three months, right? It's a stump. You know it is, but it can't be this morning. You're looking at it and you're like, let me see if it moves. And because there's not any light, a flicker, and you're like, oh, it's moving. I know it is. And you're like, yeah, I've got you. You just come on out. And you're sitting there and you're like, you look over here and there's like, man, there's another one. There's another one, and you're like, oh, I'm wrapped up with deer. And in the back of your mind, you know it's not. It's shadows, it's stumps, it's bushes. But you're like, oh, there's big bucks all over me. And you're just like, come on, light, come on, light. And what ends up happening every single morning is that as that light starts cracking through the trees and starts coming into view more and more and more, you begin to see things for what they are. You see that big 12 point that's over there that is really a stump and a sticker bush stacked on top of each other. You see that, 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 that big deer over there that is just a big pile of mud that was over on the ground. But tomorrow morning, if you go back before daylight, you're going to see them all again and you're going to sit there and say, that, surely that's a big buck. Why is that? I believe with everything in me that in darkness we can play our best mind games. I believe that we can, that's why kids hide under the bed, that's why, I think that's why we're scared of the dark, because in the absence of light, it opens up the mind to being able to play a lot of games. But one thing that is always certain is that when light comes into the picture, it makes things known for what they are. And if Jesus says that I am the light of the world, I can't help but think how many times in my life when I've spent more time with Christ and I've let more light infiltrate my life, it helped me to see things and direct people so much more clearly than me trying to walk through the dark and lead somebody by the hand and just giving them some good advice. 2018, man, we have an opportunity as a church to move forward into great ways. I encourage you, but that starts with us individually. Let's let 2018 be a year that we, we see some big things happen at this church. It's your name. God, I just uh, pray that you will watch over us, God. I pray that you will help us to be the people you want us to be. And, Father, I pray that in everything that we do that we'll be open to what you want and that we'll be willing to respond. And, Father, we just love you and thank you. It's your name I pray. Amen. If you will stand, and we're going to sing. The, off, the We will have ministers here at the front. If you need to spend some time praying, if you want to spend some time uh, talking to a minister, we would be more than happy. I just encourage you to do some business with God this morning.